Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. Good morning, everybody. It's time for the Garden Wise Show here on Legends 810. Yes, sirree, Bob. We are the Garden Wise Guides, and we will be running the host here and waiting for your phone call to ask us a garden question or more than one garden question, if you like, especially here early in the morning. And uh, the number here is 303-477-2473. I'm Jim Borland, one of the Garden Wise Guys, and the other one is Keith Funk, who will be with us in a skosh. Here comes Mr. Skosh right now. <laughs> All right, indeed. It's been a wonderful week, I think. We have had heavy frost, and this morning it was 53 degrees outside. 53? 53 degrees. I think a little colder here in the studio area, but... Man, what a great week. That's all going to turn on us here tomorrow, I guess. What? Yeah, th- uh, Thanksgiving. Listen to me. Halloween. Well, of course Halloween's going to be nasty. It always is. Yeah. Well, no, it isn't. No, not always. Sometimes it is. But wow, this year is going to be nasty. We don't know how many kids we're going to have invite, invite themselves to our house. We never know. I think one year we had seven kids. A couple years before that, we had over 300. Oh, no. How do I know that? Because we were stingy. We saw what was happening, and we were giving out one item per person. Uh And and the bag has, I mean, they give you the count that's in the bag. And the bag was empty, and we had to turn the lights out. We we were out of it. We had to start giving out broccoli or something. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think kids would like that at all. Nachos. Yeah, not. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with a squirt of cheese on the top. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <I> like that. <laughs> There's a com- commercial to that effect, I think, on the TV yeah. right now. <laughs> I thought, cool, I'd, I'd go Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, dear. So what's new in your gardening experience this past week? Bulbs. Blubs? You got blubs? I just got a bunch of bulbs. A couple, several hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're going to be doing during yeah. the cold weather coming up. I know, right? Unless you get them all in today. Well, I was going to I was going to see how many I could get in today. That would be nice, but you know, some of those areas that I'm going to plant bulbs have to be cleared first. Do you got your drill and, and automatic auger? Um I do. I typically don't use it though. Good boy. I, I'm old fashioned. Yeah, it depends on what you're planting, but a lot of things like crocus Oh, yeah. That's and if easy. your soil was a little bit on the moist side, man, I tell you, you can make holes like crazy. Yeah. And just drop them in. They don't care whether they're right side up or not. True. They'll, they'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. You can do the same thing with one of those. What, are they, what do you call those? Things? It's a tool that's got kind of a, it's got a fork at one, one edge, and then you turn it over, and it's got a, like a hoe. I don't know what you call that thing. And you just you just attack the ground with it. You just <laughs> smack the ground in it. 
<laughs> you can get a lot of frustration and yeah, anger okay. out. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, whatever works. I mean, jeepers. There's a name for that tool, and I can't think oh, of what sure it is. Oh, I'm sure there is. There's a name for all the tools. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure <laughs> my cabinet's full of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I go back to using the same one over and over again. I do too. I I use a trowel that I got. A friend of mine gave it to me because he he was frustrated with it. It's just an ordinary trowel, but it has mm-hmm. a, it has a steel blade, if that's the proper word for it. And so it it's lasted a long time. Wooden handle. Over, I mean, he gave it to me over forty years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm still using it. I still grind down, <laughs> make a sharp blade on it, <laughs> which gets dull pretty quick. But nonetheless, but that's my go-to tool. Well, I've got a I've got a series of trowels. I think it's called Wilcox. I think the brand is Wilcox. It was around a while back. Stainless steel, mm-hmm. uh, all molded out of a single piece. Yeah, right up into the handle. Cool. Well, only problem is that the handle is a is tubular and it's hollow and so while you're using it dirt gets packed up yeah <laughs> yeah like, oh. yeah so yeah <clears throat> it just makes it heavier yeah well, okay but stainless steel isn't light to begin with so it's hard to yeah. notice but anyway they boy i can i can pry things out of the ground with those <laughs> and oh, not yeah. worry about it bending or flexing or snapping yeah, yeah. Hey, give us a call and let us know what your favorite garden tool is. I was asked a question a week or two ago, a couple of people we had over, give them a little tour, and uh, actually it was a group of people. And during a respite in, in that tour, one of them asked me, what's your favorite tool? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I never thought of that. And I almost immediately said, this is my pruners. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Second would be that trowel. I've got a, a tool that I like, it, and it's called a poacher's spade. Yeah. I don't know why it's called a poacher's spade. I think it's an English term. Yeah, it is, and I, I've heard of it, but I don't know what that refers to. It's, it's, a, it's a very <coughs> downsized D-handle shovel mm-hmm. with a nice little narrow blade. Yeah. And so you can get into tight places, but it's, it's a, it's a, a heavy-duty tool i mean it, usually when you go into those downsized tools it's almost like going into kids tools yeah, you know they're yeah. they're flimsy as all get out but this this you can you could you could probably pry a car off the ground with it <laughs> um uh, irrigation people use those oh is that right narrow trenches this is different than <coughs> a trenching spade okay or a drain spade is another name. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, doesn't have the really long blade. It's got just a normal length, you know. It, it looks like a regular digging spade, but smaller. And it's stainless steel, too. Oh. So it never rusts. Oh. It, you have, do you have to polish it? No, it seems to polish itself. Oh. I think I have little gnomes that come in and do oh. that. <laughs> okay. Do you wax it? <laughs> <laughs> wax on, wax off? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we could, we could make a line of of tool wax. <coughs> we could keep, keep your tools looking sparkly at all times. Corn ear, we call it corn ear wax. <laughs> That's one type. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Derry. Hey, um, uh, we don't have any calls yet. Uh, let me give the number out again: three zero three four seven seven two four seventy three twenty four seventy three. The fast the fast four digits. 
I guess they are kind of fast. They're not, they're not slow digits at all. I put up on Facebook three postings, separate mm. postings, of colocasia varieties. Now, we've been talking about colocasias and alocasias over the past couple of weeks. These are tropical plants. Elephant ears. Elephant ears, yeah. That's a common name for all of them. Taro. Taro is, is one of them, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So this is one you can grow and eat. If you want to. Yeah, well, the eating part is questionable. Anyway, most people grow them just for the, the, the attractive leaves. They're, mm-hmm. they're typically large leaves. Uh, they come in green. Uh, <clears throat> I just saw an advertisement for I did about six of them that some company's putting out. They're black. Oh, yeah. Not, not dark green, but they're black. And there are those that have variegation in them. They have white in them. Mm-hmm. Um, one's, ca- one's called Coffee Cup. You remember that one. You had that one. I had that one for a long <clears throat> time. That was a good grower. And it was fun to watch it out in the rain because the, the, the leaves Are were... Cupped upright. Cupped, up, uh, cupped upright. But they were small leaves. They weren't much bigger than your hand. Yeah. yeah. And as they got... And they were on tall, kind of wiry stems. And then mm-hmm. as those leaves would fill up with water from the rain, <clears throat> they'd tip over. They'd tip, yeah. And it was fun to watch. <laughs> it was almost mesmerizing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one rainstorm that you'd get a year that yeah. had enough water to do that. Yeah. So I'd, we advise, uh, I think, advise people to, uh, to, to get a couple. You can get them in garden centers, typically in the spring. But um, Nick's, for instance, had them throughout the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were pricey, like four-inch pots for 65 bucks. Not going there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but they have cheaper ones, too. Um, and they're all good-looking. They're fantastic. These are the kind of things you would see growing in people's front yards if you're in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Well, those expensive <coughs> ones are the new ones that, you know, if you're looking for something that nobody else has and you have bragging rights. Yeah, yeah you do. Yeah. Of course, if you have any of them. For you probably, a month. You probably have bragging rights because <laughs> nobody else in your neighborhood is going to have them. But they're cool. They're really, really And they're cool. easy to overwinter. I mean... You can you can overwinter them as just a regular house plant if you have that kind of room. Yeah, uh, they do get large. Some of them yeah. get quite large um, and take up a lot of space. But they make a fine house plant during the winter, or you can let them go dormant. I just cut all the leaves off and stick it in the basement and don't water it for months on end. Yeah, <laughs> they're downstairs right now trying to put up some new leaves. Like, yeah. would you please water me? <laughs> and I'm saying, nope. Nope. Cut them off. Not Cut them off. <laughs> no leaves. I've been doing that too. <laughs> hey, you mentioned something about rain, which we don't get. I checked out the precipitation to date here in Denver. Now, of course, uh, these are numbers that come out of DIA. That's mm-hmm. where the yep. official measuring station is. And yes, we know things vary throughout the metro area uh, and throughout Colorado with regards to how much rain any particular spot gets. But anyway, at DIA, precipitation to date. 12.2 inches. So that's about normal average. Well, it? normal was 13.3 inches. Actually, 13.4. So like, we're an inch and in, in a little bit under. Now, the curious thing is, from January until the thir- 30th of June, we had 11.3 inches. Okay. So what I'm... And the total so far is 12.2. So we've had an inch of rain since june 30th 
That's it. That's it. That means all of July, all of August, all of September, and to date, all, all of, of October. October. Yeah. So that's what I think, four, four months there with the nature rain. So guess who had to make up the difference? Yeah. Yeah, baby. So that just gives you an idea of, uh, of what precipitation is like around here. Now, next year may be totally different. It's guaranteed to be totally different. <laughs> I think there's, <laughs> there's the guarantee that it won't be the same. It will not be the same. So I thought that was kind of cool. And the other item on my list here is to note that, not that you can't go around without noticing, is the great fall color. Oh, my gosh. I didn't think it was going to be good this year, but, man, I've seen things color up that I've never seen before, as good as it is. My next-door neighbor's ash tree, of all things, as common as it is, mm-hmm. you know, it always turns yellow. But Man, this year, it was yellow, yellow, yellow. Yeah, like, like canary burn yellow. your eyes yellow exactly the lights on it in a certain way yeah you had to squint to look at it yeah well you know in past years a lot of times the leaves get frozen on the trees while they're still green yeah which you know fall color doesn't happen then but uh if fall color did did happen you get like four leaves on the whole tree that turned color and the rest of them really yeah. didn't do much yeah. this year every leaf Oh, I know. Whoa. This ash tree, which is my neighbor's yard, um, it, it should, it, they've not taken care of it at all. Hasn't been watered in two years now. Um, oh, I took a lot of pictures because I noted, man, look at that. And it took some, a lot of pictures. Next day, half the leaves are gone. The Quick, wind came huh? in and, yeah. <laughs> and all those leaves, they're now in my yard. Of course. Not in my neighbor's yard. They're in my yard. Yeah, it, no, it's like smoke from a campfire. Regardless of where you sit, it will oh, find you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a bunch of other trees that are notable and just how how beautiful they've been. The the one tree that we do not recommend growing, <laughs> the red maple. Mm. And there's what one called sunset, and there's <clears throat> October glory. October and glory. And there's a whole oh, bunch of them. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, this year they really put on a show. Man, wow. Well, even that uh, autumn, autumn blaze mm-hmm. hybrid yeah. that's so popular right now, you know, I, I I look at it each year and I think, why is that so, such a big deal? Well, this year I understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a big deal. The color on them is just intense. So now would have been a last week have been a good time to to run around in your neighborhood and uh, either take samples of plants that you want to put in your yard. Or if you know what they are, make sure you write them down. Take pictures, yeah. Take pictures. Service you, can have, you can have all of those in your yard if you want to. Service berries turned <coughs> really good yes. this year. And then one plant I think is fairly underused in our landscapes, that at least our residential landscapes. Now, the, the commercial people have figured this out a long time ago. Yeah. But in the residential landscapes is that Grolo sumac. Oh, yeah. And, and it's associated varieties like uh, what is that autumn amber autumn amber yeah Yeah. um you know people hear the word sumac and they run screaming from the room (laughs) because it it just brings up images of suckering everywhere yeah but this is a three-leaf type sumac or uh, sumac aromatica Mm -hmm. doesn't sucker no it doesn't and it's uh it's uh i'm gonna say it's one of our natives is it yes now, back east, they call it Roos aromatica. Out here, we call it Roos trilobata. Okay. And a lot of people just call it skunk bush. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> It'll cover it. And about it 16 stinks. other names it has, too. Yeah. But I have one, and boy, 
Talk about burgundy. And red and wow. orange. And, but the, uh, there's a variety out there called Grolo, which is going to grow 18 to 24 inches tall mm-hmm. and spread out maybe five or six feet in diameter. Yeah. But it's easily controlled with a little bit of pruning if that's too big for you. But, man, I mean, they, nothing bothers it. It no. grows anywhere yeah, uh, in full shade, <coughs> in full sun. Doesn't matter. Uh, Japanese beetles didn't touch it. Grasshoppers didn't touch it. Yeah, which and is it's great. A, it's a beautiful plant, very glossy leaves, yep. and then in the fall it really goes crazy. And then that that other one, the autumn amber that you're talking about, that's a plant select variety. I think so. And it's even shorter. Yes. It stays much much shorter. Yeah. So if you have a a slope you want to cover, or you've got a rock wall that you'd like something cascading <coughs> over, either one of those two plants is excellent. And I just don't think they get enough attention. And speaking of not enough attention, I posted You're on talking Facebook. about me again? Yes. I posted a picture of a viburnum. Yes. I, I, I guess I should have posted closer up pictures of the leaves. Well, yeah. I was, I was, ju- I was <laughs> chastised a bit there. Because <laughs> I looked at it and said, that could be any one of about four or five things. That I know. I mind. was just hoping somebody would guess, you know. <laughs> Use a little bit of imagination, people. Don't be scared. But no, nobody would guess. Um, well, people didn't want to be wrong. Well, duh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a viburnum uh, called a blackhaw viburnum. Yeah. Pruna, prunifolia. Prunifolium. Viburnum, yeah. Prunifolium. And you don't see that available no. in the garden centers. But this, is a, this was a multi-stem small tree. Blooms gorgeous in the spring. Then there's berries and this beautiful summer glossy green foliage. And then the fall color is just to die for. Try to find it. I have not looked, so I I don't know. But there are many viburnums. Mm -hmm. And of that one you're talking about, there's probably five or six selections out there. Is that right? I'll bet. I haven't checked, but I'd be surprised if there wasn't. Well, it's a nice plant. Yeah. Really nice it's plant. It's a pretty one. If you're looking for a small tree, I suppose you could grow it as a single stem, but I've only <coughs> seen it really as a multi-stemmed small tree or a very large shrub. Yes. So you got to have room for it. Mm-hmm. And if it gets out of hand, that's what we're here for. You give us a call, tell us what it is, and we'll tell you how to prune it. We'll tell I, you I, how to smack it down. Yeah, smack it down. I think that one you could... I'm guessing you can probably cut it to almost ground level if you needed to. It looks like you could. It looks like it, it yeah. does behave that way. A if lot I, of viburnums do. Yeah, if I had one, I probably wouldn't take it to ground level. I'd leave 6 to 12 inches mm-hmm. to see what happens. And if I see a lot of sprouts coming from the very, very base, then I can cut it. Finish cutting it down, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, what are you doing in your yard? Are you planting bulbs this year? I still have no. colchicum blooming. I I. I no, I don't. They're mine are long gone. Uh, not I decided not to plant bulbs this year. I, what? I, I, I just you know, no. Slacker. No, <laughs> I was going to get a whole <laughs> bunch of foxtail lilies. Oh yeah, what happened? Uh, because I already grew a bunch from seed. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I got about thirty of them. That they're all probably going to be robustus. Uh-huh. You know, the tall eight footer. Yeah. And I still have them in containers, so they'll go out next spring. You know what I think is interesting about our industry and, and fads coming and going, things that become popular and then lose popularity. Back when I was a much younger man, 
all the breeding seemed to be going to more compact <coughs> plants. Yes. yes. Things that stayed small. Yes. Now everything is going back to big stuff. Uh, well, I really like yes. that. Yeah, I do too, because I saw that, that trend going. I thought, man, what about all these plants I really like? I know. For a long time, everything had to look good in pots at the garden center. Yeah. You know, it had, they had to look <coughs> perfect in bloom on small plants in packs or something yep. like that. Yep. And it's like, okay, that has its place, but then, you know, you're, you're missing oh, tons of 60% stuff. of the market yep. or more. That's especially true when it comes to uh, natives, western native plants. Mm-hmm. A lot of those, they look like death warmed over. Oh, they look terrible in, pot, in small pots. You just, you just got to have faith, people. Yeah, well, you're planting <laughs> potential is what you're doing. <laughs> That's right. And the one that comes to mind is one, the desert holly, it's called. Evergreen, and the leaves look exactly like holly. Um, they're spiky. Plant is covered in yellow, very, very fragrant blossoms in the spring, followed with red edible berries that hang on all winter long. Um, you know, what more do you need from a plant? Make sure you have a good pair of gloves. But, that's right. But if you're going, to, going out and buy one that's a seedling, a year old, in a probably five-inch pot, let alone a gallon, it, it looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. you just got to have faith. Well, that's where research comes in. <clears throat> if you know what, I mean, to, to be able to plan to, to put stuff in your landscape, you, you kind of have to know what it's going to look like as it matures. Yep. And, and do you have the space in the right place for it and that sort of thing. So before you buy it, you should know what it's going to look like. So. It would, how many plants have you bought that you didn't Oh, know stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And with that, I think it's time for our first break. Yeah, there we go. I got the got the go ahead. We're going to take our we, first. We break. do need some callers, though. Yeah, we do. And let me give you out the phone number before we take this break, and that is 303-477-2473. And all of that occurs right here on Legends A10. Have you been waiting for that last application of fertilizer for the yard? Well, Fertilome has the solution for that. Fertilome Winterizer. Winterizer is the most important application of the entire year. Never skimp on this application. A number of years ago, Fertilome examined university studies of winterlizer formulas and created a special winterlizer for our area. This special formula is quickly and easily converted to stored food for your turf to help it make it through the unpredictable winter months. In the spring, a yard that has Fertilome winterlizer applied to it in the fall will be the fullest, darkest green yard on the block. You'll find Fertilome Winterlizer at your favorite independent garden retailer, including The Tree Farm in Longmont, Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, Nick's Garden Center in Aurora. To find the closest Fertilome dealer, go to www.fertilome.com. That's www.fertilome.com. And be sure to tell them that the Garden Wise Guys sent you. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 9.30. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix It Show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix It Show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. 
And we are back here on Legends 810, taking your garden questions. When we get one, we haven't gotten one yet. Uh, we're sitting here idly by, waiting, and just, uh, you know, chatting between ourselves. And in so doing, I will report that I have discovered one new coneflower variety that is out there. Mm-hmm. I won't say it's been released because I, I don't know anything about this one. It's called Hessen, Hessenhoff. What? Who? Yeah, that. David Hessenhoff? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think it's a German, yeah, I think it's a German company. I happened to look at their <clears throat> plant list, and uh, they have a bunch of other echinaceas that, that they grow that we all know about. But Hessenhoff was a name I hadn't come run across. Mm. So I added that to my list, which is now up to 739 varieties of coneflower since 1994. Ninety four. Before that, there weren't any. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just just the species. And now there's a bunch. And and I'm getting indications that there are more coming. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. It's just a matter of uh, them getting increased in numbers before they can announce it and and sell them to the world. If they're anything like the hosta breeders or the heuchera breeders or... Any other number of plants that have, you know, 470,000 varieties. <laughs> like iris. <laughs> yeah. Or daylilies. Day yeah. <clears throat> Nobody knows how many there are of those, by the way. I still think they're recycling. <laughs> they're, they, you do see, and when you see listings of them, they, they all say that these are estimates because <laughs> nobody knows. Yeah. There are organi- organizations that, that, are, that are out there to register Oh, new, yeah. New varieties of of iris and daylilies and probably every other flower under the sun as well. But those two have organizations, and those, they do know what the numbers are. But even they, they, even they will tell you, this isn't all of them by any means. Just that the other ones haven't been registered. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's interesting is you can have, like with orchids, they register the new hybrids yeah. and that sort of thing that yeah. come out. Well, you know, when you... <coughs> when you make a hybrid like that and you grow out the seed and you get 400 plants mm-hmm. they're all different everyone is different mm-hmm. you could have a 400 new varieties yeah, you can name them yeah although you know the majority of them are dogs <laughs> but <laughs> well compared to what's already out there yeah i agree yeah yeah yep. but some of those dogs will come around and and be popular one day no kidding just look at poinsettias some Point, of the varieties of poinsettias out today <coughs> are stuff that would have ended up in the garbage <laughs> 20, right. 30 years ago. The same thing with chrysanthemums, which, by the way, I saw a notation in my, my wife gets this catalog called The Herbalist. Mm. It's put out by the Herb Society of America, HSA. And there's an interesting article in there on taxonomy. And they just happened to note a bunch of examples of things that have changed and so forth. But apparently chrysanthemum is one of those. It's a chrysanthemum that you and I know. Everybody's been growing in New York for years. Um, was changed by somebody to dendranthemum. Right. But apparently that was never done officially. Oh, good. Officially means yet there's another organization yeah. that's in charge of that. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's, it's still, it, one should go back to chrysanthemum. And or not just mum. Yes. And then you don't have to worry. Well, that's right. They're both in their mum, don't All they? Right. <laughs> oh, petunias are another example. You know those green, those one, those uh, one that came out that's 
what kind of a purpley pink with a green edge around I, it. If I, yeah, I hate, I, I hate it too. <laughs> I want to say what's the name was? I want to say it's Picasso. Picasso is that, is that it? The is name of it? Yeah. yeah. I think he'd be turning in his grave. Well, uh, as it turns out, that was very popular with ladies. It's ugly. I, boy, I don't think there's anything pretty about it at all. <laughs> but hey, I'm just one. There's plenty of green in the leaves. Yeah. Don't need green in the flowers. Now, if that, if that plant had come out in the breeding program 20 years ago, it too would be in the trash can. No <laughs> doubt. But now it's like anything goes. Yeah, anything goes. That's right. If it's different, it goes. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I'm still, I was thinking about petunias, and I was thinking, um, I would, I, I expect any time for a frilly edges or some kind of cut serrated edges mm-hmm. on the petals yeah. to come out. That makes sense. I don't know that I've seen anything close to that yeah. on petunias anyway. Hmm. So there you go. You've got another. And once you come out with one of those, now the world opens up to you again. <laughs> <laughs> you can have a thousand varieties coming out pretty with quick. With green fringe. That's right. Yeah. yeah no. Oh, I was going to mention. There is a plant in my yard that I am completely and totally Im- impressed with. I wanted to kind of tout it, um, pimp it out a bit, you know. Uh, it's called Monardella. There's a, uh, what, is a let, what is the common name? Something about hummingbird trumpets or mm-hmm. something along that line. It's a plant select plant. And I put some in my <coughs> yard. Hot, sunny, sloping location. It's a low grower. It, it doesn't get more than a few inches tall, yep. but spreads out maybe a foot and a half or so in diameter. That thing started blooming this year in June, early June. Still is, isn't it? And it's still in <coughs> flower. Yep. And the flowers on this thing, they're clusters of these intensely red, fire engine red, tubular, trumpet-like flowers yep. that look way out of scale with the rest of the plant. They're so big. Yep. It's just it's it's goofy looking almost. I think that's directly from the wild. Is that right? I think so. Well, it's uh, hummingbird cocaine. Yes. <laughs> they <laughs> fight over these plants. So next year I've got to plant some in and you know space them out thirty or forty feet apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody has a chance. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, dear. But that plant, it just has been a super performer. Now, you've mentioned in the past that it (coughs) might be short-lived. All things relative, yes. Yeah, okay. It might not live 60 years. No, probably not. (laughs) If I can get four or five years out of it, I'd be happy. you got a point there. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to reseed. I haven't seen any seedlings yet, but this was only its third season, I think it was. Well, you, you got enough old flowers there, and you can check to see if, it's, if it even produced any seed. Oh, that, it should I, have. I'd have to get down on my hands and knees then. Have your wife do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking with a, another plant nerd here, actually over the past couple of short months, mm. about how both of us know plants in the wild. They're ready, as is, to come into the commercial trade. Mm-hmm. They are that good. Yeah. They don't need any work whatsoever. Well, they, they've had a few decades to get it right. Well, right? They, they have. <laughs> but, but you well know that even when that, when that happens, uh, you know, breeders, if they fall in love with it, they'll start messing with it. Not always to the benefit of well, the Well, not always, no. But eventually, if they 
if they keep at it. It seems like they always want to turn something into something else. I, they want to make this plant look like a different plant. I know. I don't. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? What else is going on? Well, I obviously we're not getting any callers today, so no, it's just going to be you and me. I guess. I guess. What else do I have here? I bet I posted a whole bunch of pictures on Facebook, mostly of native plants that have turned out to have pretty doggone good fall color. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned earlier the roos, the um, the sumac. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I have several varieties in my yard, several species, and. This year, all of them had great fall color. That doesn't always happen. My tiger eye was amazing. Yes. That other type of sumac. Yep. Yeah, that one is what, um, Not it's not glabra, it's typhina. Yeah. Because yep. it's got that's hairy stag- stems. That's the staghorn, isn't it? Typhina? Yeah, it's a yeah. Cut, cut leaf staghorn. But <clears throat> and it does sucker. Yeah. I put up with it. The plant... Is spectacular enough. I want to see it every day. There you go. So I don't mind pulling up a a sucker or two here and there. It's not a problem. It's easy. You just grab and pull. Boom. It's done. It's not like an aspen. You know, you can grab and pull and nothing happens. Uh, Yeah, that's (laughs) true. (laughs) You do that on roost. And typically you can pull it up all the way back to the mama Uh plant. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And, the, and it's interesting because sometimes those suckers come up in a place where you may not have thought about yeah. having it. Yeah. And you wow, that's a nice combination. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you did that. That's better than where I planted it. <laughs> that's exactly right. These happy accidents happen once in a while, and, and <coughs> you keep them and you take credit for it. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, there was a bunch of, if you think if you're going to grow natives, you can't have color in the landscape, well, uh, check out our Facebook page. You'll see that's not quite true. My gamble's oak this year. It typically goes from green to dark brown, Mm -hmm. if it does that at all, because the frost will come in and take it. But uh, this year, man, it went from green to really good yellow, and then some oranges started appearing, and then now it's uniformly brown mm-hmm. and that's that's a nice effect too well i like the way the the color came in stages this year you got a a group of plants that would come into color and they'd do their thing and then when it, they were fading out then another group of plants would come yeah, into true. color and true and uh, mm-hmm. so it really <clears throat> extended the the fall color season which i really appreciated this year and and the roost that we we're talking about grow low mm-hmm. sumac i have at least one, probably several pictures on Facebook. So take a look at that. You find out exactly what we're talking about here. And lead plant, which typically, if it does anything, goes yellow. This year it went yellow and then suffused into into brownish yellow. And it was really quite attractive. Yeah. Very um, pretty. Blue star flower, too. Amsonia? Yes. That always has a nice yellow. Yeah. There are a couple. Illustrious is one of those. Amsonia illustrious, I think, is the one that turns really nice yellow. And now my um, Asclepius, my uh, butterfly weed, and all the pods are breaking open, and that fluff yeah. is starting to show. That's really cool. So I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, leave some of these things up for the winter and fall, even though they're not blooming, 
and they're starting to turn brown and leave them up and see what they do because there's a lot of winter interest in our perennials that we don't always appreciate because we cut them down too quickly yeah. um, I'm, I've gotten to the point now where I leave just about everything up for the winter unless it looks really ratty uh, especially in my front yard because you know you have to keep up keep up the front yard yeah keep up the looks yeah but the backyard <laughs> you, you can kind of let go and just experiment and see what happens yep but i'd much pr- i'd much prefer to see interesting winter stems whether they're grasses or or perennials or th- that sort of thing uh, i'd much rather see them up during the winter than looking at a barren moonscape all yeah, winter long a bunch of short stems all over the place right and that's it mm-hmm stubble like a herd of buffalo yeah. came through yeah my wife came back from i don't know where she was but she came back really disappointed oh yeah I really she was really down she'd run across a landscape somewhere that the landscape crew was coming in and using their head shears on this that and the other mm. oh my god she mentioned a couple of plants that they were cutting back that had you know no business cutting back this time of yeah yeah Oh, dear. You spend all that money putting that stuff in, and then you destroy it before winter hits. Why? Why do we do that? Because it neatens it up. It Uh, makes it tidy. Well, there's no place in the wild that's neat like that. Well, I know, but we're not in the wild. Yeah, uh, that's that's the crux right there. We're not in the wild, so I can't have that. Can't do that here. Yeah, I can grow it, but I need to make it conform. That's right. I, to, to what I think it should be, <laughs> not yeah. Mother Nature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, give us a call, 303-477-2473, and that'll get you in here, as I think one person has finally done that. Yes, that's exactly right. Let's go out and talk to Michael and see what's going on out there in Denver. Good morning, Michael. Uh, good morning. What's going on today? Well, it, it is a beautiful fall here in Denver. Yeah, it is. Uh, Things things aren't frozen, just you know, just frozen dead like the last two years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the guy who shows up at Nick's every year with twenty or thirty questions. So. Oh, um, how you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Good. I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna say, yeah, that's my first time calling in. So, all right, my first question: uh, I put an Alberta spruce, a dwarf spruce, in a big pot every year. Just by my gate i just like that look mm-hmm. and you know i have one now that's probably 10 years old it's looking a little funny and i've never been sure about what kind of soil to use in a pot where it can hang in there uh, well that's that's the problem with long term in a pot is normally we always recommend <clears throat> using potting soil or a potting mix right. of some kind over time they degrade they they decompose and they lose the structure that they had when they were new and that makes it difficult for the plant long term because then the roots suffer for it and you know when you don't have happy roots you don't have a happy top yeah it's not happy right now so what what usually has to happen is every three or four years five on the outside is to take the plant and unpot it Remove X number of inches of soil all the way around the root ball and then put it back in the pot with some fresh soil around it. Okay, potting mix again. I mean, I was yeah. going to mix I was gonna mix native soil and potted mix. I wondering if that would help. 
I don't think it does, does it, Jim? No. It, 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 this is a difficult question to answer without, without sitting down and going through a little physics. <laughs> and, you know, nobody wants to do that. We didn't even do it in high school. No. <laughs> so why would we want to do it when we're doing something we, we like doing, which is gardening? And I just had my mind blown with photons a little bit ago, <laughs> so I'm not even close to being into physics right now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. No, it's not a good idea. Um, let's see if I – how can I give a brief detail here? Um, yeah, I, should, I should say it's about a 24-inch pot. Uh-huh. Tall and wide. It's a good yeah. size. Pot. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. Now we're talking about two feet. Now, if that plant were in the ground, how deep is your soil? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it goes to you know the center of the earth. That's Correct. how deep that yeah. soil is. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you when you take that soil and and constrict it to something that's only a foot or two feet deep, uh, water behaves differently. Water will go down to the bottom of that pot and sit there until enough water is applied to force that water out. And once that, that pot stops dripping from, the, from your last watering, the bottom of that pot is slopping wet. And yeah, that doesn't I, happen in Mother Earth. Right. Okay. <laughs> but if you, if, you I, add, I, if you add native soil to potting mix, it... In small amounts, it can be beneficial because of all the micronutrients and, the, and the, all the little microbes and microflora and fauna that are in there. Uh, but in, in very much, you know, in, in more than just small amounts, all you're doing is adding weight. Yeah. And then it also, helps, it also helps the potting mix that you're putting in there, which is mostly organic material, decompose even faster. Okay. <clears throat> Wow. I mean, go ahead and try. Go ahead and try it someday, uh, and see what see what the effect is. If uh, if if it's too difficult to go into the physics, or or do a little reading on it, because there's more items that are associated with this. I mean, it has to do with the oxygen content of the soil, because of of the depth of the soil. The width of the soil is irrelevant. It doesn't matter whether it's two inches or twenty twenty feet. Okay. It's the depth of the soil that's critical. Okay. Well, now I knew that's a deep, complicated. If you were going to add anything to a potting mix, I think what I would add is probably perlite. Just to, just to get just to keep the soil porosity as open as possible for as long as possible cuz perlite isn't going to deteriorate like the organic matter does. Yeah, I do have that, so I'll try it. Yeah. Um I mean just like fertilome uh potting mix. Yeah. That, that's a yes. good one. What yes. I buy usually. Yeah, okay. but and but keep in mind that when you add perlite to the soil, it means it drains faster, and and you probably are going to need to water more frequently. Yes. Okay. It doesn't seem to be draining at all right now. It's really just yeah. Packed. Yeah, it, it's it's just broken down to the point where, I mean, I, I imagine your roots are struggling from lack of oxygen. Yeah. Yeah, if it's not draining at all, that means the water is staying in the soil, and where there is water, there is not oxygen. Uh-huh. That's another okay. problem. Yeah, you know, I just like the look of that. That's no, I agree. Business, you know. Yeah, but, it's uh, just that you're going to have. There's a certain amount of maintenance that has to happen on a regular basis to maintain that. Okay. Can I give you another question? Go sure. ahead. Uh, okay, I have a lot of spurge in my lawn, um, and I, I've just sort of spot sprayed it over the past, but it's just taken over. It's that really tiny leaf mm-hmm. antique. 
yep. kind of thing. Yeah. It's everywhere. So how do I do a pre-emergent on that if that's the way to do it? It, it is because it's an annual. Uh-huh. Uh, with another couple of frost, it'll be <clears throat> it'll virtually disappear. But in right. the meantime, it's dropped enough seed for yep. the next 150 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's when you it's need to add a pre-emergent, and, and you have to put the pre-emergent down before it germinates next spring. Right. And then uh, I would like put a second application in late June. So April, May, the first one maybe? Yeah. Uh, probably early April. Yeah, I'd do May, April. And then okay. again in, in mid to late <laughs> June, because it's a worm season annual. So And, and, and the pre-emergent has... A lifespan, once you put it down. It, it's only effective for a certain number of weeks, depending on which one you choose. So okay. once, it, once it reaches the end of its lifespan, then the seeds can start germinating again. And being a warm season annual, spurge will germinate all summer long. Yeah, yeah. Well, what product do you recommend? Oh, um, <laughs> my, for the lawn, my personal favorite is the Fertilome All Seasons. Okay, I'm writing that down. I mean, you don't want to use a weed and feed lawn thing, right? That's, I typically don't, no. Yeah, you, that gets into your perennials and you wind up killing stuff. Right, and you're of. putting it, you know, everywhere, and you may not need it everywhere. Um, right. But with if you've got a lot of spurge, you know, you, you can use the, the fertilome all seasons in the spring and then in, again in early summer. Is that a granule yeah. stuff? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm going to declare war on that stuff. Well, you'll have to do it every year. Yeah, that's fine. Because that seed just lasts forever in the soil. So do it twice, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. Okay. I got one more if you have time. We'll, well, we got to take a break. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, let me put you on hold, and we'll come back to you right after the break. Oh, sure. Great. Okay. All right. And having said that, we're going to do that right here, right now on Legends 810. How mad is she? At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we have a sure way to get you out of the doghouse. So is she Daisy Bouquet mad? We have the cutest sweet bouquets that can perk up her day. A petite size to tell her you're thinking of her. Is she mixed garden bouquet with a few roses mad? Our moderate-sized bouquets have a beautiful mix of colorful flowers with a few special roses tucked in. Perfect size to let her know she's important in your life. Or is she premium rose bouquet mad? Do you need to wow her? She can't resist smiling when she gets this one. This size tells her you can't live without her. Prepare yourself. You might be overwhelmed with wild affection. The power of flowers. It's undeniable. Become a believer. It's easy to send flowers. Call us at 303-665-5555. Order online at www.lafayetteflorist.com. Or stop by. We're open daily. Come visit us at Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And he pointed to me, that means we're back on the air again. We were uh, talking with... Uh, who Michael. Michael, who... Um, I don't know if we finished up the last question. No, he has one more question for us. What's, that, what's on your mind, Michael? Okay, uh, hydrangeas. Yeah. Uh, I like them. Uh, they're kind of a problem. I mean, the last couple of years, we got these sudden 
freezes in the fall, I guess, and, you know, they just look dead. Yeah. Um, he had nothing to work with in the spring the next year. So, um, you know, and I, I kind of pay attention to the variety. My uh, my favorite is the uh, Ann, uh, Annabelle, I think. Right. You can, do, you can do anything with that. You can cut it back. It, it, it's reliable. It comes back and everything. But, I mean, now they look good. I'm keeping them watered. Jim mentioned that. Should I put cages around them? I don't want to prune them. What do I do to protect them now? I, I have five or six, and like I said, they're looking good. But now are we just talking about Annabelle now, or just hydrangeas you know, in general? Yeah, the other hydrangeas, the other in general. In in general, I the the macrophylla types like endless summer with the blue flowers, or right. they, sometimes they have pink flowers depending on your soil pH. Those I typically recommend, you know, during their first two or three or four years of establishment is to, to cage them for the winter like you would roses. Okay. And, like, fill them with leaves or something? Uh-huh. Exactly. Oh, okay. Okay. Now, the, the paniculata types, um, which are the, the ones that like to be in the sun, um, they typically don't need anything other than some regular winter watering. They don't need to be protected at all. They're, like, they're tough as nails zone three for the most part. I don't have any of those. These are all shade lovers. Okay. And then Annabelle, again, just water. I don't see any need to to protect them with anything like a cage or burlap or anything like that. But I would watch on all of them for voles. Uh, I lost a number of hydrangeas to vole damage a couple of years ago, and that kind of put me on high alert after that. Wow. Okay. I've never I've never seen a vole, but they're... Yeah, you never do. You just see the damage. <laughs> Yeah, okay, great. Well, uh, I could go on, but that, that helps a lot. Those are my uh, my top ones. Okay, well, thanks for your call this morning, Michael. Yeah, have a good day, thanks. You too. If I could create just something of a thread here with what uh, what he said about putting down a pre-emergent, and we recommended probably in April. He suggested maybe April, May, but we said April. And I keep harking, I, I'll never, probably never forget this. There was one year... This goes back to precipitation. Every year is different. Mm. Every year is different. And uh, one year here with regards to when to put down pre-emergent, one year we didn't have any frost from, I believe it was the middle of March. Yeah. For the rest of the spring and summer. And that was a weird year. That was weird. And, of course, we didn't know that, but that would, that year you should have put down a pre-emergent probably at the 1st of March. Well, you know the old the old wisdom, conventional wisdom from Grandpa, was you put your pre-emergent down when the forsythia blooms. Not, a, I don't know how that would have worked that year, but that's not a bad bad thing to do. Yeah, it's just that forsythia doesn't always <laughs> bloom here <laughs> at all. <laughs> <laughs> some years it does great. Right. Some years it tries, <laughs> doesn't go very far. But you know, put put it down when the forsythia would have bloomed. In that situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how do you know when it would have bloomed? Well, it puts out buds that never open <laughs> and <laughs> turn true. brown and mushy. And you can drive through the middle of Denver. Yeah. yeah. Where it's well, uh, well more. It's much more protected. Mm-hmm. And those bloom in the middle of town where they don't bloom in my neighborhood. Exactly. Because we're out in, the, out in the, what we'd have to call the boonies. Yeah. And sometimes that can be as early as mid-March. Yep. Sometimes it might be early April. A lot of time, it just depends on the season. But um, yeah, I I 
find that most of the time, two applications of a pre-emergent is much more effective than oh, yeah. a single application in the spring. And, and pre-emergents are not just a springtime thing. You can use them any time of year. It's something that, you know, if I go through and clear out a, an annual bed or a perennial bed in the middle of summer in July or whatever because it's weedy, I'll put down a pre-emergent right then and there because I know weeds will come up as soon as I apply water. Yep. Because I've disturbed the soil. So put down a pre-emergent, put your mulch over the top of that, water it all in, and walk away and feel good about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, the latter part is, uh, is something to live for. And then take a shower. You would, <laughs> you would think that after a number of years of gardening in your yard that, that you've gotten all the weeds, you pull all the weeds, you cut them, you, you don't let any of them reproduce that you would be done after some point in time. Mm -hmm. No. It hasn't happened yet. No. And that's what, that's what always gets me when people tell me that, oh, yeah, I put some compost in this year or put some cow manure down and dug it in and I had all these weeds. Well, it didn't come with the, stu the, the stuff you put down. It's just because you turned the soil and exposed a bunch of weed seeds that were already in the ground from who knows how long ago. Yep. And all they were looking for was a little bit of light. And a little bit of water. Yep. And up Boom. And some of those weed seeds can last for decades. Yeah, I made a note here to look at leafy spurge to see if I can find out what the seed longevity is known for, how long that seed can last in the ground. <clears throat> we know a number of things can last over 50 years. Oh, well, puncture vine or goat head is yep. another one. Over 150 <clears throat> years. Yep. There was, there was some seeds that they found in Egypt in a, that were thousands of years old from a palm tree. Still germinated. Still germinated. Amazing. That was a unique situation. Yeah, that's right. I don't have to worry about palm seeds in my <laughs> Oh, if only. Yeah, I know. Right. And speaking of palm seeds, you when you if you if you're a date eater uh. and you get dates that have seeds in them, uh. Uh, you can grow palm trees from those seeds. Sure, you can. But you can't grow see you can't grow banana trees from the bananas you buy in the grocery store. Not those tiny little seeds. You no, see in there. those no. those don't grow. No. You have to buy different seeds for that. Yeah. Which my son did. I've done it too. Yeah. 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 He there was a they had a challenge at his school, a, a long standing challenge to start bananas from seed. Mm -hmm. And he thought, well, if anybody can, my dad can. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, but I made him research it and find out yeah. where to get the seeds and order them. And, Good. And then we planted them up in different medias and we measured them as they came up yeah. and did all kinds of little experiments. And I still have two of the plants from 1999 that cool. he started. And they've never produced bananas, no. have they? <laughs> they never have. <laughs> but that's fine. I grew them for the, I keep them for the leaves yeah. and the sentimental value, that's of course. That's right. Well, I think he was lucky in getting those seeds and getting them to Germany. I've ordered seeds from any number of places over the years and most of them just never germinate oh uh, i if i remember correctly these came up within a week to 10 days yeah. i mean they're just they were ready to pounce so um yeah if you get fresh seed i guess some seed is very short-lived yeah apparently banana seed is one of those mm -hmm. and you don't know that when you're buying it of course they're not going to tell you either how old it is how old it is yeah, yeah. nah not going to do it well, let's get back out to the phones. We've got Jim waiting to talk to us in Aurora about uh, watering trees. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Keith. How are you doing? Well, you know, I'm just uh, upright and mobile, taking nourishment, living the dream. As long as you're vertical, everything is well. That's exactly right. 
reference to watering trees mm. uh, and using a probe, all right? Uh, how deep should I water? How deep in the ground should I push that probe? Six or eight inches. That's, that's deep enough. Yep. Yeah. You don't want to put the water below the roots. You want to put the water above the roots. In this particular case, it is a uh, Norway maple. Mm-hmm. So those, those roots are actually that close to the top of the ground? Yes. They're in the top 18 inches, and the majority of them are near the surface. Okay. That's where the majority now, of the oxygen is, and that's what roots need. Could I uh, put a little uh, booster in with that water? I mean, that's not necessary. I've invented a way to do it. That's not necessary this time of year, but if you want to do that in the spring before they le- just before they leaf out, that would be fine. What would does Pertolone make something that would be a, a good thing to use? Well, the Pertolone makes a tree and shrub food, but it's a granular material. You just uh, you just sprinkle oh, okay. it over the ground and water it in. You don't need to inject it. And, and put it way out at the, uh, uh, the perimeter of the uh, limbs where they reach. And beyond, if you can do it. So don't put it up. Don't put anything up next to the trunk. Yeah. Nah. Nah. Okay. How tall are your trees? Uh, this one, uh, as I look at it, is probably uh, 20 feet. All right, you go down to the trunk and 15. walk walk out a, a hundred. How many feet did you say? Twenty. Twenty. <laughs> walk out twenty feet. That's how far your roots go out. Minimum. Minimum. Yeah. It's okay. usually it's usually a time and a half that. Okay, and then uh, uh, how often should I put that probe in the ground? How many feet apart? I was close to get. I mean that. Well, at least a couple feet. About every two feet, pull yeah. it out and then put it back in. And uh-huh. Yeah, it really is determinate on just how much water you're putting down, what the water pressure is, how deep you're going. Well, you know, we could well, we could I back th- off and say enough so that you thoroughly water the tree. But what, anything is helpful. Yeah, whatever that takes. But I, um, uh, well, it's gonna. I'm gonna have full street pressure because I put a bypass. Uh, on so I can I can put about uh, oh eighty five or ninety pounds on. No it. no no don't do that. Turn no. the water pressure way down. Oh really? Yeah yeah. And then for how long then? Oh several minutes if you can. It, it's oh. much more it's much easier to do with a sprinkler. You know you don't have to be out there moving it every couple of minutes. Um, and you get all the ground covered. But we have to get out of here for the top of the hour. Uh, We can put you on hold and come back to you right after our break, okay? I'll wait. All right. All right, over the top of the hour, we take a break, and it turns out to be a very short one, and you'll find out about that real soon right here on Legends 810.